This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Stan Cotton, the voice of the Demon Deacons. He's in his 27th year in the booth for Wake Forest, so he was the perfect guest for this week's preview. In segment one, we dive into the history of this matchup. The last time these two teams met in Nashville probably brings some memories back for some Vandy fans. Vandy's depth chart adjustments for this week. Rocco Griffin is back. Quincy Skinner is back. And Julian Hernandez is also back. It's all hands on deck for Clark Lee's Commodores on Saturday. And of course, we've got our three keys to a Commodore victory and our predictions. Sam Hartman is back for the Demon Deacons, and that makes this game even more intriguing. It's the Commodores and the Demon Deacons from the bank on West End, 11 a.m. kickoff on the SEC Network. Bring your coffee and get ready to roll because we've got one hell of an episode for you today. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Commodore Nation, let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening. To the Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 177. It is a Thursday night, September the 8th, 2022. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. They're family-owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors since 1995. Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue over in Barry Hill, or you can call them at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. Will? The Wake Forest Demon Deacons are coming to the Music City on Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff on the SEC Network. SEC Nation is in town. You got all the personalities. Paul Feinbaum will be doing his show uh, from the Commons on Friday. A lot going on, Will, this weekend. Hopefully the rain holds off as well. And we've got a beefy episode for every Vanderbilt fan out there. Of course, we'll dive deep into Wake. We'll get some history of this matchup. Depth chart adjustments, Will, we've seen. We had a... We have some. We had some last week. We've got some. We've got some this week as well. Um, and we will also get to our three keys to victory. The first game where it's actually useful to uh, to get to our three keys to victory. And I caught up with Stan Cotton, the voice of the Demon Deacons. We keep the 
the play-by-play voice uh, on a roll going uh, from the Wake Forest Sports Network. So uh, he'll join us a little bit later, but well, it's it's time. I think I mean I honestly think this is the biggest game in a while. I mean uh, we said K State 2018. I think we both agree on it. Big game may not may not feel like it like it in the city with, with Vanderbilt fans totally, but I think there is a decent amount of buzz not just locally but regionally about this game. There's going to be some eyes on it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, Billy. Like we always say, you start the season out 2-0, and and all of a sudden there's a little bit of buzz starting to circulate. And even though that 2-0 and start may be against two subpar teams, one being from the FBS level, uh, probably being the worst of the two, and one being from the FCS level, but you're undefeated. You're 2-0. and You've matched your win total from the last two seasons combined. So that's going to get some excitement. I once again am going to say, Billy, and they've built up some social media posts around it, and they've built up some different things. Clark Lee saying your coffee. Dude, 11 a.m.? <laughs> I, I just, God, that sucks. Any hey. other time but an 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff. And I would be so excited. But I will be out there tailgating alongside Jacob Scholl. Hopefully see you out there. Yep. Uh, a few other people will have some breakfast burritos out there for us early. Uh, but everything else in the tailgate, swing on by. We'll be out there at 6 a.m. Uh, getting ready bright and early just as Clarkly announced and instructed. So I'm excited for this matchup. A little bit of hype for the first time in a while. Since uh, 2018, Kansas yeah. State, like we said, uh, before Alabama destroyed that hype. So it's going to be a fun atmosphere, Billy, and I'm going to live it up in that atmosphere until inevitably it somehow comes crashing down because of the news uh, that broke from the opponent what pretty news? recently. What I don't what know news? if you've heard it or not, Billy. That's what I, I was going to ask. Have you heard it? <laughs> I, I think I heard something about the Wake Forest. I think I heard something situation. about their quarterback. Hey, one or two people said something yeah, I, about it. I, know, I saw a big tweet from this guy, Pete Thamel. I don't know if it really matters though, but, uh, but it won't yeah, impact. Really, it's not impacting the matchup or the. No, I don't think much, it's so. impacted the betting line either. So no, not at all. Uh, not at all. But Sam Hartman is back for uh, for the Demon Deacons. We'll dive into that and and talk about you know what that means for this matchup. We'll we'll get to our three uh, keys to victory. And we'll give you our predictions. So uh, predictions are back for this week. Uh, whether we have them ready for you or not, we will have both of our predictions ready. Uh, will it just feels good to have this buzz before a game? We'll, we'll get to, we'll get to this podcast eventually, but I'm with you. It just feels good. And whether it ends well for Vanderbilt or not, you know, I think this is a positive step. The fact that you you do have anticipation for a game like this. I mean, there this is, is a gravy game, in my opinion. Great. I don't know how you I, I don't know how you feel about it, but they've taken care of business the first two games of the year. Uh, this is a game that will take a lot of pressure off of the slash put a lot onto the NIU game next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think vice versa that NIU game is huge uh, for the over under and wins securely locking up already four games into the season with NIU. But you've taken care of business. You kicked Wise ass week one. You came out, you dominated Elon outside of like an 11-minute stretch in the second half of that game. 75% dominated Elon. I think Vanderbilt fans are pretty pleased. So I I think that this game offers a lot, everything to gain and almost nothing to lose. 
unless some things happen that we're going to get to in the spring. Yeah, we, we will get to the things that uh, Vanderbilt fans are scared of that, that might mm-hmm. be happening. But all of that is coming up. Uh, before we get to the preview, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the Wake Forest preview. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. A Laco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, Will, let's uh let's dive into it. First, some uh, some some key information. 11 a.m. kick, early kick. I know you love it. SEC Nation is there pregame. Marty and McGee will be there before SEC Nation. Dave Neal, Deuce McAllister on the call. My favorite, my favorite SEC Nation show combined with my favorite kickoff time. Marty uh, and McGee, you know me. This is I, just. I this love is me your, some Marty and McGee. This is your kind of day. This is your kind of day. Kicking back in a pickup truck with some cowboy boots on. That's <laughs> me, baby. Welcome to Nashville. That's what you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, First Bank Stadium is the site. Will a few key things here. It's Parents Weekend, I, and I think all these things will affect the crowd. I didn't know this a few days ago, but it is Parents Weekend, so that means you know you're going to get a good chunk more tickets. I think going to the game. It's the Anchor Dash, and that means basically every freshman is let into the game. And so, you know, we, we saw it against Ole Miss to open the season. We see it every home game, really, to start the season. We didn't see it against Elon. Genius. That's move. good. That's put, good. Put, yeah. That's that genius, genius move to push that back to the weight game. Um, Will Clark said, bring your coffee to the bank. Uh, we'll have to – you better have some coffee ready ready at the tailgate. Uh, we'll have some mimosas ready and, and <laughs> coffee. We'll have both, both sides. Little, little, you get both, both, uh, both going there. Stan Cotton, of course, a little bit later will join us to play by play voice for Wake. Uh, Will, 17th meeting all time between these two teams. It's interesting to go back and look at some of their matchups before we dive into Wake. Vandy leads the all time series 10 to 6, and there's a lot of familiarity with Vanderbilt, this coaching staff, and Wake Forest coaching staff. Clark Lee was, was, uh, Coach Clawson's linebacker coach at Wake in 2016. And he also coached linebacker with Clawson at uh, at Bowling Green in 2012. So these two coaches, I, that's what I can't wait. I can't wait to watch this chess match. It's almost like a couple of high school coaches that are so familiar with each other. And I know that's college football, but that's what it kind of reminds me of, guys that are so familiar with each other. Uh, Clark Lee went 2-0 and against Wake Forest while he was at Notre Dame. So I know he wasn't the head coach there, but had had to go against that Wake defense a lot. Uh, Will, Going back, last meeting between Vanderbilt and Wake Forest, 2013, Austin Carter Samuels throws up a prayer for Jordan Matthews. J-Matt hauls it in to lead. Carry Spear to the game-winning field goal, 23-21. Those that's what I some good names. Oh, good yeah. Names that, you just that's brought what up I right think there. About, that's what I think about when I think of this matchup. I mean, there's not a whole lot of other things that you think about when you think about this matchup. They haven't faced a whole lot. Um, but I think about that, man, and, and Vandy's won the last three in this series. I know it's been a while, but that's what I think about, Will. Those, I mean, that crowd, you go back and watch that. I watched the highlights of that a couple of days ago, and crowd was great. Of course, Kerry Spear, it finished that one. So that's 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 what I think about, Will, Vandy, and Wake Forest. Um, but it's crazy, Will, the familiarity aspect. I think that'll come in handy for Clark Lee. when, when you're, I mean, you're facing a guy that you've coached under twice, and, you know, the, the Vanderbilt strength coach this year, Coach Horgan, came from Wake Forest. 
there's a lot of those similarities, which I think I think will have an impact on the game. I mean, I think that can only help Vanderbilt. I think familiarity right. with an offensive coordinator versus a guy that has his handprint very heavily on the defense definitely favors the defensive coach that has knowledge of the offense because defense is reactionary and offense runs the play. So a lot less is gained outside of maybe a few calls, a few setups, how he's going to utilize personnel or defend X, Y, Z is really gained by having the in-depth knowledge of Clark Lee. Now the other side is against this unique slow mesh style offense uh, that I'm sure we're going to hear the term slow mesh in the game day broadcast and in the, uh, in the pregame show at least one or two times uh people love to use that unique slow mesh style it's, so, it's fun it's, to say slow mesh it, it is nice to say but it is weird it is a very weird offense it's, nobody else so, does it so it's it's nice to have some familiarity with with what is definitely i won't say the most but one of the most unique offenses Vanderbilt will face this year they do have Josh Heupel on the schedule yeah no doubt about it It, it, it's 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 similar to a triple option style of offense will where Hartman will hold it in there for two maybe three seconds sometimes so uh, I actually asked Stan Cotton about that he he gets into that uh, and we'll get more into that when we dive into Wake but real quick will the depth chart Quincy Skinner back Julian Hernandez back well He's back healthy. He's listed as a backup center behind uh, Castillo right now, but you know they're listed as or on the depth chart. So, but Hernandez is back. It's huge. Rocco Griffin's back, and Ricky Wright uh, shifting over to starting at anchor. Um, and I heard that um, you know that was he he wasn't starting at anchor. He was starting at a different position last week. So, uh, did Ricky Wright at anchor? So, well, that's huge. I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't know that how how much that'll play into the game, but I know having Rocco Griffin back will play into it. And Skinner, just another guy to throw to. I mean, that, that Wright needs everybody available. Mike Wright in this offense, they need everybody there. They, they you, need need, you need more than just McGowan and Shepard out there and your tight ends and Bresnahan and Schoenwald. You need more than four guys that in body junior occasionally, but I wouldn't say somebody that you want to be relying on heavily uh, to be throwing contested balls or, or big, big time, big moment catches too. But Rocco just having depth. I mean, against a team like Wake Forest, 20 carries is a little different and will be and will be a little different for Ramon Davis uh, than 20 carries was against Elon. So having Rocco, who ran so damn well against Hawaii, I'm so happy that he is back. And hopefully that was just more precautionary against Elon than anything. And if it was against an opponent like Wake Forest the week after Hawaii, maybe he would have been able to suit up. That's all speculation, Uh, but it seems to work out that way. Uh, in the case of, of both sides, pretty often the yeah. guys tend to tend to be able to play through or or be over those injuries leading up to a game with an <laughs> opponent that has potential to actually beat you. Yeah, there's a common thread there. I wonder if uh, Wake Forest said, "Hey, let's let's bring Hartman back. Let's clear him before Vanderbilt, not VMI. Maybe. Let's let's hold. Let's." Uh, we, I have we, a feeling he just week. was. He would have been able to be cleared for week one i don't think that they're rushing him back i just think that they're like no need to even appear to be rushing back but and just give it another week it can't hurt i think i know vanderbilt is they're an sec team but i think that's a sign of respect i mean clausen you know obviously this is between the doctors and sam hartman i think but maybe there's a little bit of hey we need him for vandy you know, I don't, you never know, you know, this is all speculation, but uh, you never know. Uh, well, let's start with our offense though. First, Let, let's talk about this Wake Forest offense. Uh, I know both of us did a lot of research on them. They've got nine starters back 
from the ACC's number two scoring offense. I mean, they put up some huge numbers. Sam Hartman, 4,228 yards, 39 touchdowns, school record. Um, and in his career, Will, 9,266. He, he's done a lot. I mean, the second in program history and passing yards in his career. And, Will, a thing I've thought about is, is it will he be rusty? Is there going to be any rust for Sam Hartman? You know, I, I think human nature says yes. But from what I've heard, and I know this, a lot of this is probably coach speak, but coaches, players, other players have said he's in shape. He's been throwing the ball for a while. You know, he's been practicing the last week or two, and he's been ready to go. Um, I still think when you're facing – you know, an SEC defense on the road, early kickoff, you know, you got to wake up, you know, you got to really wake up, be ready to go. So I'll be interested to see how he kind of eases back in uh, into his role. Um, but yeah, well, they've got other weapons around him too. A good running back, Christian Turner, ran hard last week, 13 carries, uh, two touchdowns. Another guy behind him, Justice Ellison's really good. A.T. Perry, Will, is a monster. I mean, that guy's six foot five, 200 pounds. He's a physical target that Hartman loves to throw to. Uh, he had 15 touchdowns last year. Taylor Morin scares me in the slot. That little slot receiver, he's their punt returner also. Uh, and then Keyshawn Williams. Will, they've got depth. They've got depth at receiver. They've got depth at running back. They've got an experienced offensive line. And, you know, I look at this offense and I think they can do some damage against really anybody, not, you know, not only Vanderbilt. Um, now, I, I think I think the key, Will, is rust. I mean, you know, you look at Hartman, human nature says there could be a little bit of rust. I don't know what you think, but um, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to come out and throw three interceptions and look awful. But I don't know that he looks like his full, complete, 100% self from last year. I mean, always a negative, I would say, when a potential under-the-radar Heisman candidate who accounted for 50 touchdowns the previous season is coming back. Uh, heading into your game but yeah I mean you would think there's just no way that he is completely in rhythm and ready to rock if he had the blood clot situation close to his collarbone mm -hmm. uh, even if he did stay in shape you know remained mentally prepared and in it but just couldn't go through uh, certain drills certain activities certain things the rhythm is just going to be a little off and the offense returned nine guys so maybe that's not as much of a return but they did lose uh, Jakari Roberts, I believe is his name, who also was uh, tied for the most catches on the team with 71 uh, and eight, eight TDs on the year. So they are returning a lot, but it's not like they're returning everyone. Uh, right. So it's a very, very, very talented offense. But you would think that something with Hartman is just going to be clicking, especially at the beginning of, uh, beginning of the game, 11 a.m. kickoff. It's going to have a little bit of a weird feel. Maybe it's going to be weird anyway coming back a week late rain would be ideal for Vanderbilt <laughs> in this game and almost every game this year rain is going to be a net benefit for Vanderbilt with the style yeah. of offense uh, and a lot of the opponents they are playing but uh, I want to say he's going to be rusty Billy I want to say that knowing Vanderbilt and how these things tend to go when there are large national storylines that have a majority of the nation rooting behind a person or, or eyes on that person, and they're coming in to play against Vanderbilt or really any of my teams. I'll include any Nashville team, including the Tennessee Titans, in this. It just feels like they have a storybook ending to that to that return from injury or triumphant defeat over some uh, controversy or, or something going on in their life. So hopefully Hartman comes out. He struggles. He's rusty. 
but this is why you were uh, joking about the prediction. That's why I've been struggling with my prediction. I'm still struggling with it because my human nature, it's, it's like, it's like the gambling line. When I looked at the gambling line week one versus Hawaii and I looked at Hawaii and I said, any team playing (laughs) against Hawaii with seeing this line that's from a power five conference, I would be all over it. The only thing that held me back from not putting an obscene amount of money was it being Vanderbilt. The only thing that has me not thinking this gambling market is overreacting to a guy. And I know that sounds crazy. I know that sounds crazy. And I'm just cursing Vanderbilt, cursing Vanderbilt to uh, inevitably have him throw for 700 yards and make up for the week he lost in his Heisman candidacy. Uh, I mean, the quarterback last week, what, threw for 319 yards against VMI? It's not It's not like he came yeah. out and had a horrific well, and, game. Oh, he's 21-29, yeah. 288, three touchdowns, no picks, yeah. uh, 73.4% completion percentage. I mean, he was going to come in, and that was, in my opinion, not going to be where this game for Wake Forest was won or lost. Wake Forest is the more talented team in a lot of spots, and if that talent – plays up to their level, they will beat Vanderbilt regardless. Now, Hartman allows for a little more room for error, but the line doubling from where it started out is crazy to me. Yeah, Uh, Just from one guy coming back, first week coming back from an injury uh, and only practicing really for a couple days in uppers. Yeah, 13 is a lot of points on the road in the SEC. Uh, I don't care if it's Vanderbilt. They're an improved team. And, you know, I think think if you're Sam Hartman, you're sitting there saying – you know, I, obviously you like the fact that, you know, you're, you're coming back, but this is not the most pleasant welcome back. I mean, you're playing at Vandy, 11 a.m. kick, maybe some rain. Welcome back, Sam. I mean, you know, you get to play Clark Lee, one of the best defensive minds in the country, you know. So um, I'm with you, though, Will. That Clark Lee talked about it earlier this week. This is a system offense, and no matter who the quarterback is, it is a tough offense to defend. I mean, you saw what Griffiths did last week, almost 300 yards, three touchdowns. I know it's VMI, but at the same time, you know, this is a this is a full system offense. Clarkley said that's what we have to defend no matter who's out there. I, I really feel like, and this this sounds crazy because Hartman is so talented. He put up those numbers. He He's a better pro prospect nationally. I mean, I'm not trying to diss Mike Wright, obviously, with the numbers he's been putting up, but I would say that most people would say Hartman is – the preferable quarterback if you had to pick one or the other yeah. going in, going into this season. I mean, that's yeah. not a slight to my cry. That's com- but going into this game on these teams an actual impact on the on field way that these teams are going to defend the opponent or play this game. Mike Wright being out of this game impacts it a hundred yeah. times more than having, than having Hartman in or yeah, out of this I, game. I'm and that doesn't mean that Hartman's the worst player. That just yeah. means that their backup is more experienced and the offense they run doesn't change as much. And right. There's really Mike Wright is just a di- completely different player from anything else and, and yeah. is completely irreplicable. So yeah. that that's where I think this line may be overreacting. Yeah, Sam Hartman means a lot to his team, but mm-hmm. you saw what Griffiths did. And, and you know, Clawson is such a great offensive mind that, you know, I think you could throw really anybody, I mean, in there and they could do somewhat well because of the weapons around them, a good old line. So, yeah, Will, it, offense is great. A lot of production. Hartman's done so much in his career. It's his fourth season as a full-time starter. He's played so much football. Um, and good for him. We didn't – I don't even know if we've mentioned it yet. Good for him that he's back. You know, I really respect the guy. I, I, I love the way – Oh, yeah, I, I forgot to – we forgot to say <laughs> the thing we've been saying this whole time, which is the precursor. 
precursor of like happy that he's healthy and yeah. that he's not, you know, that he's able to hope play football well. again. Yeah. Hope he, yeah. Outside hope of this game. I hope he has a great season outside of this game and he's super rusty. But and one more thing on him, on him, Will, he's a really good runner too. I don't know how much he's going to want to run coming off the injury, whatever you call it. Uh, but he had 11 touchdowns on the ground last year. And I mean, he is just 64 yards. Yeah. I mean, he has mastered that offense and Clawson, I guarantee you is elated to have his guy back. Um, so yeah, Will, that's the offense. Uh, a lot of course to talk about with the offense, but their defense, let's go to their defense really bad defense. I mean, they were awful last year. They gave up 413 yards per game last season, five yards per carry. They surrendered nine, and this is a stat, Will, from the Pick 6 Previews magazine. Brett Siancia does a really good job. I, I did a little research on Wake. They surrendered nine explosive rush plays per game, and that's a lot. It's a big number, and that was bottom tier in the country. So, Will, they were statistically one of the worst defenses in the country at the FBS level, especially the Power 5 level. So, you know, you look at this defense, they're in the ACC. It's not like they're, you know, they're playing in the Big 12 or the SEC either. I mean, ACC has some good offenses, but I think there's some room for Vanderbilt to attack this defense and have success. I really do. I think not only with Mike Wright's legs, but also taking some shots. And I know there's a little sneak peek to some of my, my keys to victory there. Won't, won't talk too much more about them, but some of their guys will. Kobe Turner, transfer from Richmond, had six tackles last week. Big guy up front. Um, you know, they're not huge up front. They're really not. Uh, but he is a good player up front, so what, keep an eye on him. And, Will, interesting story here with their linebacker, Ryan Smenda. He's a senior, returning leader in tackles, uh, one of the better linebackers in the ACC. He was held out of last week's VMI game due to a targeting call in the Gator Bowl against Rutgers last season. <laughs> it's it's wild. Yeah. It is wild reading about that when I saw that. And I, I actually, Stan Cotton actually talked about it. And uh, Clawson hated it. He hated this, the fact this happened. He was, you know, arguing about it with the, I don't know who, I guess the ACC commissioner made the, not the commissioner, but the head official of the conference eventually made the call or whoever was calling that game. But wild, I mean, wild story. So he's going to be ready. He is going to be ready to rock with probably a chip on his shoulder. Uh, so that's huge. They've got, you know, you could say they've got their captain on either side of the ball back. Sam Hartman, Ryan Smenda, really good linebacker. And one more guy will I want to I want to mention is Brendan Harris, Vanderbilt transfer. Uh, he he played last week at four tackles. And, you know, I, obviously Harris was a backup last year for the most part, and he was going to be a backup this year anyway. I just thought it was kind of interesting to note he, he's out there and he'll probably he'll play. I mean, he's going to. Mm -hmm. And, Will, I point to that. I mean, no, nothing against Brendan Harris, but that's a guy that Wake values probably. And, you know, that, I just don't – this is a this is not a great defense, you know, and they're used to ACC-type offenses. You know, I think Vanderbilt, not only in the, in the run game, but with McGowan and Shepard can have some chances. So, Will, this defense, obviously not as much to talk about as the offense, but, um, you know, they don't have a lot of depth either. So there's definitely areas for Vanderbilt to attack this defense. Yeah, I think there is some confusion when I was reading a lot of the Wake Forest articles and a lot of their evaluations of this VMI game and the depth chart and their expectations for the defense. And I, I think there was a misunderstanding of the difference in depth and playing a lot of guys. And there's a massive difference in those two things. And I know it's against the, their FCS opponent. They jumped out 17 points quick, but they were all, uh, they were up 17-0 at the end of the first mm -hmm. quarter against VMI Wake Forest was. But 
all I was reading, they had 28 guys play. play. Uh, they had 19 play 20 or more stat snaps on defense with 28 recording a tackle. So they had a lot of guys that were active in that game. To me, that is not really as much of a positive when you're coming off a bad defense. That's, mm-hmm. that's the difference to me is if that was Georgia uh, coming off of last season or just traditionally or Vanderbilt coming off of one of the years underneath Derek Mason where they had a good defense and couldn't move the ball like 2015, then I would be feeling good saying you're, you're adding on depth to a lot of returning talent from a right. good defense, but you're basically, you lost most of the key guys from your secondary. That was the only mediocre part of a really bad defense. And you returned one guy that had 16 and a half tackles for loss last season. But other than that, you don't have really anything. I mean, you have the safety uh, that you mentioned that was suspended week one. Uh, you have yeah. what linebacker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have it written down a safety. So maybe uh, they run the four two five. So it might yeah. be maybe that tweener type guy. Yeah, Who knows the anchor uh, for Wake Forest. Maybe he's that. Yeah. Something like that. But, but you no, know, Will, I, I, they don't really, I don't see, I, I don't see this defense being able to stop the role the Vanderbilt offense, the offense is on. There's a reason this over-unders at 65, 66 points, because there are going to be a lot of points scored on uh, on Saturday. And I mm-hmm. think that uh, Vegas was maybe awakened to the idea that Wake Forest would score a lot of points, but maybe Vanderbilt would also tack on a few. I think Vanderbilt's sitting at like the 24-ish, 24-and-a-half-point uh, Vegas line mark, and Wake Forest is sitting uh, around that like 42 41 and a half uh, individual yeah. team points line. So sounds, sounds about uh, that's right. where they're sitting. But I, I think that one, one is the Vegas line of 50, 50 of how bad Wake Forest defense is and how good Vanderbilt's offense has looked through two weeks statistically and scoring wise. And the other uh, is not necessarily anything to do with Vanderbilt's defense. What you saw late against Elon is only partial to it. It's really just Wake Forest, man. They were a machine. Yeah, they were I mean, a machine. In spite of that defense last year, they were able to yeah. win games and go eleven and three. Yeah, and, and you know that when you go eleven and three, I don't care who you play. You know what conference you're in. That's impressive. That's mm-hmm. really impressive. And you know they went to the Gator Bowl. They had to play Rutgers in that weird, uh, you know, kind of. I don't know. Rutgers was was kind of plugged in there. They played. They beat Rutgers. Uh, but yeah, that's the Wake defense. Um, obviously, nothing really that impressive. Um, and, and Will, one more thing that you hit on on that defense, they weren't particularly a good defense last year, and they lost three of their four guys in the secondary that started last year. So, and I'll actually get more of that in the uh, keys to victory. Well, let's get to it though. Three keys to victory. Of course, after every game, we always get to uh, our three key takeaways. But this week, we kick off our three keys to victory. And, uh, Will, I'll, I'll start here, and I'll go with number one. This is going sh- to shock you. Number one, establish the run. As, oh, classic, as, cla- as classic football guy as it gets. Um, but there's a lot to this, Will. There's a lot to establishing the run. First, I think it helps a lot that Rocco's back. You know, we just talked about it. Rocco will help establish the run you know chase gillespie is gonna have to get out there and do something for four quarters you can't rely on ray davis like they pretty much did against elon i mean i think not having rocco hurt them against elon and so they got ray they got rocco of course chase is gonna have to be relied upon as well not having patrick smith right now you know i think they they'd love to have him as well um but will a Against teams that finished with a winning record, Wake Forest allowed 48 points per game. 
last season. That was second worst in the FBS. One of the worst defenses in Power 5 last season. I mean, let's face it. So, you know, they also surrendered 196 rushing yards per game. That's 109th in the FBS. They gave up five yards a pop. Now, five yards per carry, obviously not, you know, there's worse defenses out there, but that's not great. Five yards a carry, it's really not ideal. And you're not, you know, you're playing in the ACC. You know, that, that ACC is is only going downhill right now, especially with the, in terms of their physical play and their offense. They gave up a lot of explosive runs like I talked about. Well, Vandy had 404 rushing yards against Hawaii. They had 100, almost 180 against Elon. Those are two really good numbers. Yes, it's Hawaii and Elon, but I think they can put up big numbers just like they did against those two teams against Wake. I think they can do the same. So establishing the run, it goes hand-in-hand hand with sustaining drives. You know, Clark Lee has talked all week about sustaining drives. One way you sustain drives, get first downs and run the ball. You know, Vanderbilt, they have they have to establish the run in this game or else they have no shot of winning and competing in this game. They've also got to will control the tempo. I think running also, not only does it slow the clock, and if you have success running the football, you can start to control the tempo of the game. But if they don't, they'll be in trouble. So, uh, Will, one more stat. These stats are crazy on the Wake defense, by the way. I was looking at a lot of these. Uh, four different opponents last season that played against Wake Forest rolled up 300-plus rushing yards on them. And one of those teams was Army's triple option. And, you know, I know they do that to a lot of defenses, but they ran for 400-plus yards and put up 56 points on Wake Forest. So, And Vanderbilt has implemented some triple option ideals and schemes in their offense, and I think I think they should do that more in this game, and I think they will because you look at that, Clark Lee knows that, and Vandy, like I said, they've thrown some triple option wrinkles in there. So all that to say, Will, if they don't establish the run and if they can't get push up front with that O-line, the big uglies and the grease gang, I don't see Vanderbilt competing in this game, much less even winning it or having a shot to win. So they've got to establish the run. I know that's classic football guy stuff right there, Will, but – uh, that's my number one. They got to establish a run. I couldn't think of anything else more important than that. Yeah, they have to, and they should. Uh, my number one key is the opposite side of the ball. Mm. And that is going to be creating pressure. And that against this slow mesh style offense slow mesh. is going to be so key in being able to slow it down. Vanderbilt's not going to stop this defense. Wake Forest is going to put up points. They're going to put up points against every single opponent they play. The key to this is going to be the bend, don't break, and slow them down and control the ball with the run game, like you said, on offense against a an awful run defense in Wake Forest. I mean, if this was any other non-top 25 team, you'd view that defense and say, this team must be two two wins max, three wins max. Yeah. I mean, it, it's truly awful. It's down there with like what UConn was last year. And so I think that's being sugarcoated around a lot of these previews, whether it's the Wake Forest side or the Vanderbilt side, because, you know, they only gave up 10 points last week to VMI. VMI's bad. VMI, that's an FCS opponent. Don't look at that. Vanderbilt's defense is not good either, and in week one, they only gave up 10 points to an opponent. So uh, Vanderbilt is going to have to run the ball. They should, but on the other side of the ball, to let them run the ball and not get caught up in some type of shootout game, which Vanderbilt has no chance, they are going to have to disrupt the timing of kind of this triple option oriented offense. And I want to read one quote from Ethan Barr. And I'll go in and Ethan Barr on the slow mesh offense in quote, he said, 
They like to hold on to the ball for a long time, so they have options and give themselves options on offense. We realize that we have to eliminate that option by playing fast at the linebacker level, staying true to our gaps, be gap sound, and keep them contained within the tackle box. He holds on to the ball in the backfield mm-hmm. for two, three seconds, like you mentioned at the beginning, and makes the linebackers either step up and commit to the run game, what a guy on the outside overcommit, crash down and keeps it. If the linebacker steps up, he can hit that mesh crosser over the top of him. If he doesn't step up, he or can run it, or he can hand it off up the middle for a four to six yard gain automatically. It's very tough to defend. How you defend it is winning one-on-one battles that the offensive line has to hold their blocks for long periods of time. They have four returning starters on that offensive line, but if there's anywhere that this offense has holes, it's that offensive line being able to be beaten in situations where these plays take a long time to develop. It is a read option type offense and it, and it looks that way, but it would be like watching Tennessee's offense on 0.25 X speed. That's literally what it's like. Everything that Josh Heupel does imagine relatively similar concepts, but the opposite, like completely differently, like making the defense completely commit versus keeping them on their toes and keeping them, off balance so it's a really weird offense to watch and watching it against vmi they obviously weren't showing too much but i watched a right. little bit of wake forest last year it's a unique challenge and, no and clark lee and, and staff have their work cut out for them. no doubt about it and will they make most of their reads post snap a- after mm-hmm. the snap not prior to the snap but that's a key there's not many people out there doing that i mean post snap reads where you do i mean Two, three seconds, that's a long time. Because you got to protect, man. Yeah, that you got to protect. So if we were a Wake Forest podcast, you got to protect your quarterback. That's what we talk about. But we're a Vanderbilt podcast. We're talking about how you got to get pressure. That's my second key, Will. Wow. (laughs) Pressure smarter, not harder. That's what I'll say. And and I obviously, you know, pressure, bring the guy, bring, bring, bring him in, bring three, four, you know, play blitz ball. No, no, that that's not they need to blitz smartly. Clark talked about playing defense with patience this week. You've got, just like Wake does with offense, you've got to play defense with patience. If you get too antsy, you know, you get too jittery, you're going to you're gonna screw up something defensively, and then boom, Hartman sees it, and boom, he's got his receiver down the field. So pressure's smarter, not harder. The slow mesh, we know, Will, has caused problems for all kinds of defenses, even Clemson, even some of the best defenses out there. But... Clemson proved that if you get pressure, if you get inside, if you get by these offensive linemen, you will have success. You will disrupt the slow mesh. So part of what Vanderbilt has to do, they have to eliminate the mesh. Eliminate that mesh point. Make them say, make them stop doing it. Make make Coach Clawson say, oh, screw this. We're not doing, we're not, screw this slow mesh stuff. We're not doing this anymore. You got you got to confuse Hartman with pressures so that he's sitting back there going, what the hell's going on? What, what, what How many guys are they bringing out? Where, where are these guys going? Where, when's Anthony Orgy coming at me off the edge? Where's Ethan Barr going? So eliminate the mesh. I know that's not easy. It's definitely not easy to do. And they, you know, wait for it. That's what they want to do. But it's not like they do it every play. This is not, you know, this yeah. is not arm. Like, I think pe- some people get it confused with, you know, this is not the the triple option. It is a kind of a, it is, it is, I don't know what you'd say, but it's a, it would be like saying Vanderbilt's, if Vanderbilt doesn't run a read option 
offense. They run a read option style. Right, offense. right. Not so, every play is read option, but yeah. their base package is. Yeah, what I'm yeah, triple option style. It's not a triple option offense. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm adding the style in at the mesh yeah. style offense. I was just looking it's a, it's a lot tougher to say. So <laughs> a lot more well, S's involved. <laughs> if you are out of control though, that's what I'm trying to say. If you're out of control blitzing, and I, I don't know that Clark is going to do this. I don't think he will. But Hartman will destroy you if he sees that you're out of position or you're coming at him off the blind side. He sees that boom, he hits he hits his guy down that left sideline where you left. So he is he is so good at reading the defense. So Vanderbilt's got to be smarter, you know, outsmart Hartman out there, outsmart Clawson. And I will I really do think defensively they can have success, but you've got to be so disciplined. There's a lot of pressure on Orgy and Barr. Those linebackers, I do. I am not jealous of those two guys on Saturday at 11 a.m. And really, everybody on the defense. Um, and will this is when it just hurts not not to have Davion Davis and Devin Lee and depth and Baps. I mean, you need everybody. You got to get pressure, uh, but you got to do it smartly. So you got to do it. You cannot be out of control. So I know we you know we've got the same exact you know key to victory there, number two. But just a little shift there. You got to be smart with it, not out of control. So that's uh, that's my second key to victory for Mandy. Yeah, I'm glad you said the run thing as your number one because I didn't even have that written down because my number two <laughs> is defense as well. Well, kind of defense as well uh, because it it's mostly going to be based around the offense, and that's winning the turnover battle. Uh, this Wake Forest defense, like we have said, is not good. Uh, we, we've mentioned that their offense is good. The one thing that Wake Forest had going for it last season was their secondary was actually not that bad. No, now, they, they lost yeah. a lot of talent out there, but they had 15 picks as a team. Uh, Vanderbilt, for example, last season, they were pretty good at creating turnovers. Granted, some of those were fumbles, but they had 13 as a team. So this Wake Forest team was opportunistic uh, in the secondary. And Mike Wright, six touchdowns on the year so far, no interceptions if he throws no interceptions in this game Vanderbilt has a chance if Mike Wright throws two interceptions in this game Vanderbilt has no chance one interception we'll see it'll depend but two (laughs) plus interceptions that is my line in the sand as far as keys to the game limit it to one interception or less I'm trying to get like stats I liked how Shoal did that in his six pack I'm trying to have definitive things uh, written down. So I'll say the one the one interception or less for Vanderbilt uh, and two total turnovers or less uh, in general. So allowing one fumble, but only one interception from Mike Wright, because that would just be killer, uh, yeah. allowing that secondary. Because they did have one guy that I had written down that you didn't mention in their secondary, Isaiah Wingfield, uh, I think is, is the name there. Uh, he actually really had two plays that should have been interceptions against VMI. He had one that was called back for roughing the passer penalty that he did intercept yep. and take back for a pick six. And he had another where he broke on the ball and just dropped it. I mean, it should have been two interceptions. So this is this is the best secondary that Vanderbilt has faced. It is not, in my opinion, the best front, we'll say five, six, because it's a four, two, five. So I will say the front six they have faced. I truly believe that Elon's was just as good. Um, maybe they don't have the talent level at uh, with the one guy's name that's slipping in my mind on their defensive line. I don't think uh, I wrote it down. For Wake Forest? Uh, you. Yeah, for oh, Wake Forest, 16, yeah, 16 and a half tackles for loss last mm-hmm. year. That guy's the most talented individual player. Uh, but as far as, as the rest of the defense, Vanderbilt has to be able to run the ball against them, and they cannot create turnovers in the passing game. 
Mm-hmm. On the other side, the defense has to continue doing it. They've done it since Carkley's been here, even last season. If there was one thing about this defense, you could say that was positive. They created turnovers. That needs to continue. They've done it the first two games of the year. That is going to be the key in keeping this thing close enough to get Wake Forest worried. Because in my opinion, the pressure is on that other sideline. I don't I don't see Vanderbilt going into this game uh, with a ton of pressure unless things start to maybe look like they can get out of hand early. Great key. Great key, Will. Um, I definitely thought about that, the turnover one. You know, they've got to get turnovers, you know, or else they just don't have a shot. Speaking of shots, Will, my number three key is take shots. Take shots down the field. And so Vanderbilt hasn't had success in doing that this year. Obviously, you know, we've seen Mike Wright attempt to throw it downfield to Will Shepard. Hasn't worked. It hasn't really worked. They need to hit on those uh, on Saturday. Will, here's a stat for you. Wake's top three, maybe not necessarily a stat, but a fact, really. Wake's top three defensive backs, as you hinted at, all gone to the NFL. So they had a good, I mean, NFL. Like, those were NFL guys last year in the secondary, gone. So anytime you lose that much talent from one position, um, you know, you, you're going to take a step back that next season. You know, they've, they've also, they've got a couple starting safeties that they're, they're still recovering from injuries from spring ball. So they're, they're a little banged up back there. Um, but like I said, anytime you're losing that much, you're, you're gonna take a step back Pass defense was, was very average at, at best last year. I mean, last season, they certainly didn't improve this year. I mean, this is another area where I think Vanderbilt can find success with Will Shepard, Jane McGowan, Jane McGowan, literally, I, I think, you know, two or three times, if you're Joey Lynch, look at McGowan and just say, beat your man down the field. You know, Mike's going to look down at you. If he's got you, he's going to throw it. If not, you know, he's going to tuck it and run. Same thing for Shepard. I know Shepard's not the speed demon that McGowan is, but I do think Shepard, with his height and his physical nature and stature, he can make some plays. If Mike Wright's got to put it there. He's got to have the time. All this requires Mike Wright to, to have time in the pocket and throw an accurate ball down the field you know, we've seen them attempt to do it. They haven't actually completed that yet, other than the 75-yard strike to Jade McGowan, you know, a, a a long ball down the sideline. We just haven't seen those. And, you know, Vanderbilt has attempted them. They haven't worked. So I do think this is a secondary. Like, Elon's secondary, they had some players. I think Wake Forest has more depth. They're, you know, they're an ACC program. But I think there is there is an opportunity for Vanderbilt in this game to catch Wake Forest and their back end of that defense, their secondary off guard, because they are inexperienced. I mean, they had they relied on three NFL guys last year to carry back there. And, and you know, I know they've got Brendan Harris, but, you know, he's not even going to start back there. And so, you know, they, they've got some inexperience there. I know they're an ACC defense, which, you know, I don't think that's saying much either. Um, so I, I not only with the run game, Will, can they have success? I think they can also see success deep down the field, Take your shots, see if you've got a chance, and, and, you know, don't give up on it either. If you're a receiver, McGowan, Shepard, say there's a bounce, say there's a hot, you know, a a pop off the hand, stay with it because we've seen that happen too. So, number three, Will, take shots. I know there's, uh, it's 11 a.m., there's not going to be many shots taken from the crowd (laughs) with that early, but Vanderbilt needs to take shots down the field with Joey Lynch, Mike Wright, Shepard, McGowan, maybe even Skinner too, you know, I mean, just take shots, take the chances because you'll need them. I mean, if you cash in on one of them, well, that that could be another touchdown for you that you might not have gotten. So that's my last one. Take shots down the field. So there you have it. There you have it. And there I, it is. Well, I love your turnover. I love. Well, the I, I still got. I still got my third one here, Billy. 
Oh, God, I'm forgetting that. Yeah, you Only give it out. you two. Only give it two. <laughs> Only get two keys. My third one is going to be start fast. And a lot of that, oh, I mean, that it's, that it's yeah, that, that's a familiar one. And a lot of that has to do with just what Vanderbilt has done early. Uh, and most of the times when that's been given in the past, but this is more based on the opponent. I would say normally that a guy coming back from injury that's maybe started one year, been in a system for a, for a year, lost a lot of guys from the offense, whatever. I would say that the beginning, either way at the beginning, you can spin it one direction or the other. You could say if they jump out early, they had some scripted plays, but they're going to run out as the game progresses. Defense will be able to make more adjustments because uh, they have a limited amount of plays that the quarterback's comfortable with. I don't see that being an issue uh, with Hartman or this Wake Forest offense with the amount of experience they have. So uh, with, with starting fast, it's all going to be based on, I think there is no way that Hartman is going to come out and for that whole first half play flawlessly. I just can't see it uh, with the lack of reps that he's had leading up to fall camp. There's just no way he's 100% in sync. So Vanderbilt needs to do something uh, that they haven't done very often, but they did last week. And that is score points early, get out to a lead, and or by the end of that first quarter, first half, uh, be within striking distance. And that means be within a score at halftime. Uh, so when I say start early completely throughout the game, uh, just stay in it and be even or within a score at half. And I know those expectations may sound low, uh, but I don't believe that they are against a top 25 team. Uh, yeah. Coming off the season that Vanderbilt had last year, I don't want to get drawn too much into this in, into this hype of the first two games uh, of of what we've seen. I, I think some things are going to be exposed here in Wake Forest uh, when we get to our predictions. But I, I was torn on this prediction, but I think I, I've settled down on one side of it after after thinking it through during this podcast. I'm glad you settled down. Well, I'm not glad you settled into a pick. Uh, because we need it. We need that pick. The people need it. That's what they want when they when they listen to the door report. Your mm-hmm. pick. Um, all right. Well, so there's three keys uh, to victory for Vanderbilt. There's a lot of keys in this one. I think you know sustaining drives. Obviously, your fast start, like you mentioned, and uh, defensively, you got to get pressure. There's a lot. There's a lot that you could throw out there. Um, thought we did a pretty nice job. Let's get to predictions. Well, I'll start here. I, you know, I didn't have to think about this one a whole lot. Uh, polar opposite of you, I guess. Um, you know, I just Wake Forest is who they are. You know, they're going to do what they do. And, and no matter who they're playing, they're going to find offensive success. And the fact that Sam Hartman's back, um, you know, I'm not hopping on the Wake Forest minus 13 train. I don't think they win by two touchdowns. Um, but I do think they put up points. I think Vanderbilt puts up points as well. Um, I think Wake wins by a touchdown. You know, I thought of maybe maybe making it two touchdowns, but I said to myself, you know, I think Vanderbilt, you know, I think they keep it close. I think they're in this game. I think they keep it close, but I just don't see Vanderbilt's defense holding up for four quarters against a, this type of high-powered offense led by their captain back who's played 12 years of college football, who is one of the best, um, I mean, let's face it, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and he is going to be drafted. Like, this is a legit NFL prospect at quarterback. Um, I just think he's got too much experience. This whole team has too much experience, um, especially offensively, and their system is so good. It's so – they've been in it for so long. There's continuity there that, you know, we didn't see with Hawaii, of course – Elon had a little bit more of that signs of continuity with their team and their coaching staff. 
Clark Lee is in his second year. Dave Clawson is in his ninth year, I'm pretty sure. So what he has established there will really impressive. I think that's what potentially down the road Vanderbilt could eventually look like, but not right, not right now, not this year. And, you know, I, you know, I hope I'm wrong. Well, I really do. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Vanderbilt comes out here and, you know, does have a fast start and, and finds a way to win this game. I just don't see it happening. I think Vanderbilt does cover though. I mean, I would hammer Vanderbilt. I think those, I think 13, 13 and a half, whatever it is, whatever it ends up being, way too many points. I would hammer Vanderbilt uh, there in the points. Also take the over. Um, you know, that's what I would do. Uh, 65 and a half, I think it's at right now. So I would take the over. I would take Vanderbilt, but Wake to win it outright. 38-31 is my final score. Wake Forest over Vanderbilt. I, I was tempted to put Wake into the 40s. Um, but, you know, I, I think Vanderbilt's defense will find a little bit of success, you know, but fourth quarter, I think Wake tacks on like two or three more touchdowns. Um, so, you know, I just don't think Vanderbilt can hang in there, but uh, I think it'll be close. And I think it's, you know, tiny step forward, <laughs> tiny step forward. If you, if you want to say that, but I've got Wake 38, Vanderbilt 31. Yeah. Vanderbilt just can't get their butt kicked. That's the only way that this game can come out and be a failure is two and O start a little bit of hype you know picking up and putting out an I announcement getting happen. people to come yes like that's what I and think. I, it has potential I, I think it has that scary potential in the fourth quarter Vanderbilt's dead they're gassed boom Hartman snaps on it and they drop three touchdowns to just kind of put the icing on top then you see Mitch Griffiths like I think that can happen as well but I don't, yeah. I don't think it will but there's potential yeah I'm like 80 percent right there like I'm pretty confident in in how in my prediction I would say, or I'll say 70%, and we'll say 20% on the side that I just see Harton coming out and lighting it up. Just coming out, career game, because of what the issues Vanderbilt showed in one-on-one matchups in the secondary, that's all that they're going to have against Wake Forest. And Elon already exposed that issue. Vanderbilt creating pressure is literally the worst possible uh, issue and thing that they could have targeted is what they're looking to do based on what this defense for Clarkley did last year, struggling to create pressure. But on the other side, Wake Forest defense looks at Vanderbilt's offense and says, this is the worst type of matchup or right. type of offense we could possibly play. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'm as confident in the points uh, for Vanderbilt as you are, but the over seems low to me that I just don't see any way that this thing stays where you don't see one team hitting the forties on the scoreboard. Uh, the 10% side that is not going to be my, my prediction is Hartman coming out rusty, uh, which is natural. I mean, you're just not going to be in sync. Vanderbilt runs all over them. Uh, we saw less talented teams with relatively similar offenses come out and run all over a, a, a better Wake Forest team than our defense than you're seeing this year. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see Vanderbilt's offense being able to slow them down in, in all reality. And I think that Vanderbilt's offense – uh, has had them, some things work out right, and they have a good amount on film now where they're not going to shock and awe anybody with the redesign of offense or personnel usage. So I'm going to go with Wake Forest, 48, uh, and I think that might be low uh, based on their point output last season. Uh, but the only reason that I struggled is I initially had him less than that. I had him at like 41 uh, until I dug into last season, just because I think Vanderbilt will be able to choose some clock because I got Wake Forest, 48, Vanderbilt, 35. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm expecting we don't see big leg Joe 
uh, in this game. Clark Lee is, uh, has shown a tendency through the first two games in situations when I've always wanted teams to go for uh, it, to going for it on fourth down and against a Wake Forest offense that's been putting up this many points. That's that's something I wanted to get out in this prediction. Uh, is is outside of specific spots, I'd be pretty surprised if we see the field goal unit trotted out too much against this Wake Forest team. And I think that's a weapon that Clark will be saving for some different matchups later in the season. But I think he's kind of looked at things and early in the year, even at times I've disagreed with the actual play call and said, I can't coach this game like I'm coaching Notre Dame. I have to coach mm-hmm. this game like I'm coaching Vanderbilt. And that was an issue that we had last year is he was coaching the game like he was the Blue Blood program. You're not the Blue Blood program. You probably will never be perceived as anything close to the Blue Blood program. So you have to take things that are maybe 50-50 on that chart. You always take the, the higher risk, higher reward option when, when you're that team. And that goes against everything that, that is built inside of me when I look at data and, and everything. But things are just different when you're that underdog. So, And I also want to give a big shout out to Big Leg Joe only allowing one kickoff return so far this year for 16 How about yards. It? How about that? You need to continue that as a bonus uh, key to the game is kick every ball out the back of the end zone because that yeah. is an absolute weapon. Yeah, and another thing, Will, they've got a good punt returner. Taylor Morin is a little – he's a little white kid. He's like, he's like 5'10", but he's fast, and he, he has – He's shown some uh, not only flashes, but you know, he's real talent at that punt return spot. Good slot receiver as well. So really intrigued, though, Will, as a whole, to, to just see what goes on. The, the start, the first, I know we say this about almost every game, but really in this game, the first couple possessions for Wake, we're going to find out. Vanderbilt has got to buckle their chin straps and be ready to play right away if they want to compete in this game. And, and, you know, I think the Elon game, the struggles in that Elon game that we saw came at a good time for this Vanderbilt team. They can fix those this week. Hopefully, you know, we see that. And they take them to this Wake Forest game. You know, obviously we've talked about the rain, early kick, you know, decent amount of eyes on this game, maybe a little bit of pressure on Hartman, uh, but he's not new. He's not, um, you know, he's not new to this. I mean, he's, uh, he's, yep. he's, he's been around the block. The experience is what ultimately part of me wanted. Everything else, everything else in this game is is trending tick marks on, on an upset. Uh, when, I, when I run through my list, returning a main player from injury is always uh, very high on my list, regardless of sport. But other than the matchup with Vanderbilt's offense, Vanderbilt having one more game, uh, it's kind of a warm-up preseason type game against lesser competition coming off how that, that game against Elon ended, where it's like you kind of end that game even though you won. Uh, you end kind of feeling like, ugh, like yeah. we have some things to tighten up really yeah. before Wake Forest. So I think that's good trending in that direction. And I think uh, Wake Forest coming off of kicking VMI's butt and playing a bunch of dudes uh, that aren't going to play against Vanderbilt for those late-game snaps is going to help. That, that is where the good things end. Uh, everything else for Wake Forest is like the opposite of that stuff having an effect. Experienced head coach, uh, continuous guys coming back that are experienced in the system, unique system, experienced quarterback with, and I want to repeat it, a lot of experience. A lot. I think that's the part that uh, we said at the beginning, and I know people might take that out of context. We were talking about the movement of Hartman. That is part of the reason that I don't think that against Vanderbilt it, it should be having as much of a line movement because the offensive line is so experienced. And actually the number two player uh, on almost every single team, and in the NFL this is more visible, uh, in moving a line is the center on an offensive line. That's actually worth about two, two-and-a-half points wow. minimum 
uh, if he's out of the game from because he's the quarterback of the offensive line. So number one's quarterback and number two is actually usually center, even over a star running back or receiver, a defensive player. It will move the line more if the center, like Ben Jones or something for the Titans, is out of the game. So uh, everything else for Wake Forest, everything else for Wake Forest, man, is just a nightmare. Uh, their yeah. offense versus our defense. So I'm hoping that my negativity and glass half empty is is somehow going to send good omens into the universe, and I'm going to be blessed with not being correct. But I have a feeling, man, he's going to tear it up. Hartman is going to tear it up. Well, it's not like you know that's out there, Will, but it's also it's not like there aren't reasons to believe Vanderbilt will compete either. Mm-hmm. You know, there's reasons on both sides of this argument. Oh, um, I think we'll move you know, the I, ball. That's also what I'm saying. My prediction wasn't a butt whooping. Right, right. You know, we're gonna both teams are gonna put up a lot of points. We know that. We know that's for sure. But uh, what offense? You know, what offense is going to be more dominant and stay on the field more? That I think it's going to be Wakes, and and so does Will. Uh, Will, one more thing I'll say before we get to the interview with Stan Cotton, uh, voice of the Demon Deacons. Weird things must happen on Saturday for Vanderbilt to stay in this game. I like and that. Weird things usually do happen on Saturday morning, 11 a.m. kickoffs on West End at Vanderbilt Stadium, First Bank Stadium now. Um, Will, they just do. They just do. No matter. Now, I don't know if I'll say no matter who they're playing. But it's not like they're facing a Georgia or an Alabama where it's impossible. So just keep that in mind. I mean, weird things must happen. Uh, weird things like turnovers. Uh, weird thing like Hartman slipping in the in the you know wet turf and fumbling it. Vanderbilt recovering it. Things like that. Man, the direction of these two programs have gone since 2013. Oh, my polar opposite. Wow. It's, it's crazy. Pretty, cra- pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. I mean... Last memory of Vanderbilt Wake Forest in Nashville is Carter Samuels lobbing it up to Matthews and him just mossing Say, a Wake a game that should not have been close because Vanderbilt was the better team, which right, is funny. Classic. But I would also I want a little comparison thing I wanted to throw in before we end it or whatever we're doing uh, before we head into the interview. I guess my bad. I wasn't, Come on. I wasn't a part of the interview, so my apologies <laughs> on that. Billy scheduled it at 1 p.m. Hey, uh, during well. my work day. I, I, I uh, asked you. I asked you. At least I asked. I asked. But, I, but the one thing you mentioned is running with 11 touchdowns. And I wanted to say that he's more of an, he, he's not Mike Wright running the football. No, he's not even no. a Patton Robinette. He is a, a capable runner. And I would compare him to a guy you just mentioned, Austin Carter Samuels, Samuels. Yep. running the football. He, he can make a guy yeah, miss. Him. If it's a defensive lineman, he's going to get around the edge against him, a slower linebacker. He'll get around the edge, but he's not running. He's not running away from any cornerbacks or safeties like Mike Wright or or guys in Vanderbilt's past like Robinette. Yeah, and he shouldn't be because you're risking injury and you've got a potential NFL career ahead of you. So, uh, but yeah, Andrew Luck esque. Yeah, happy happy for Sam Hartman though, and uh, you know I think Vanderbilt fans should be glad that he is playing. You know, obviously it's it's tough, but say you do compete and say maybe you pull it off. They've got Hartman, and you can say, hey, we, we did it without – they did it with Hartman. So, you know, obviously – This would be a catapulting uh, victory. Oh, my god, A catapulting gosh. victory. You know, well, it I, would I, turn I, that game against NIU uh, in game four into, like, this going 4-0 and being a legitimate national media attention getter Yeah, uh, would be this game. Would not, no longer be a novelty at 2-0 putting up – 52.5 points per game. Yeah, We've talked about shifting the fan base's perspective. Mm-hmm. This would do that. I, I guarantee you this would do that. And, you know, the crowd, we haven't touched on that. I don't think it's going to be particularly great. 
it'll be better. It'll be better than what we've seen. I think Wake will bring a decent chunk. I asked Stan about that. He said, uh, you know, they haven't been in Asheville since 2013. There'll be a lot of black and gold. Good for Vandy. Good for public relations. Uh, good for uh, TV viewing uh, as well. But uh, 11 a.m. kick, SEC Nation will. Dave Neal on the call. I, I, I've always liked him uh, doing the games. We'll both be there. Uh, if you do need a tailgate spot, uh, lot two closest to the on-campus housing. Um, so if you need a place to hang out, go uh, stop by the TDR tailgate tent at uh, just outside First Bank Stadium. So 11 a.m. kick. Well, we've got Stan Cotton coming up, the voice of the Demon Deacons, Wake Forest Sports Network. We dive more into the matchup. Coming up next with Stan Cotton, you're listening to The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back into the Door Report. I'm happy now to be joined by Stan Cotton, the play-by-play voice of Wake Forest football, part of the Wake Forest Sports Network uh, with Learfield Sports. He's entering year 27 of uh, calling Wake football on the radio. We've got an 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday, Vanderbilt and Wake Forest on the SEC Network. Stan, really appreciate you taking the time to join us here. And uh, I hear you have a few ties to Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. First, Billy, thanks for the invite. Um, My pleasure. Always fun talking about Wake football. Uh, Yeah, I've got a sister who's lived in Nashville. I don't know, 20, 25, 30 years. I forget how long, but a long time. And uh, born and raised in Knoxville. Parents still there. Wife's family there. So we're we're all ingrained in the volunteer state and uh, certainly have an appreciation for Nashville and that, that area. And uh, certainly for Vanderbilt, uh, I, you know, game kind of scares me that Commodores look pretty good. Yeah, no doubt. We'll talk about uh, Vanderbilt, of course, from your perspective, but uh, you know, we, we brought you on here to dive into Wake Forest this season. And of course the news that Sam Hartman has been cleared to play uh, a lot of reaction, a lot of reaction in Vegas to it. The the, the betting line has gone up right away uh, after that news. Not surprising. H- how would you describe what he means to this team and what he has meant uh, to this program over the past four years he's played? Yeah, uh, hard to measure, now. Billy. Yeah, hard hard to measure. Yeah, who can who can keep count now with COVID years and everything else, red shirts and all that. I, but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to measure a, a guy like that, what, what he means to your team. Uh, Wake is certainly deep enough at, at most positions to, to have a, a good football team um, and, and miss a guy, but you miss kind of your, your, your bell cow, you know, your, your quarterback, a guy who's been around for so long. Uh, and that, that, that had to hurt. I know when the news broke, it was just kind of a punch in the gut. I mean, you, you felt – uh, number one for Sam, just personally, you, you feel for any young person that, that puts so much into whatever endeavor it is, and all of a sudden that, that's gone in the blink of an eye. But uh, thankfully, uh, the medical situation took, you know, three, four weeks to clear up for Sam. And uh, number one, he's, he's back healthy, just pure and simple. And the fact that he can play football now is, is kind of icing on, on the cake. But uh, he's just a great guy to have in the locker room, a great ambassador for uh, Dave Clawson's football team, great student, all, all, all those things. Uh, 
And yeah, on top of that, he's a really good football player, a very uh, cerebral quarterback, as I think you have to be probably to be effective in Dave Clawson's uh, system. And Warren Ruggiero, I want to give uh, certainly credit to Wake's offensive coordinator, who's kind of a sneaky genius with regard to what 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 Wake does offensively. But but Sam is, you know, one of the team captains, very well liked uh, across the board on this team. And to have him uh, back in the fold, back in the starting lineup has to be uh, a shot in the arm for Wake Forest uh, coming up in this game. No question about it. Stan, you mentioned uh, Ruggiero, the uh, offensive coordinator there at Wake Forest, and he's only one of the of the similarities and kind of connections from uh, the, the Wake Forest staff and the Vanderbilt staff. Of course, Clark Lee uh, has coached under Dave Clawson two separate times uh, at Bowling Green in 2012, Wake Forest in 2016. And, uh, you know, there's so many connections, so many parallels does that make this matchup more appealing, more kind of anticipated? Because, you know, it's almost like a high school matchup where you got a lot of coaches going back and forth and, and you, you know, a lot of familiarity. Um, so do you, are, does that make you more excited to call a game where, hey, this, this, this could be competitive? Oh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Certainly it adds a layer to the story uh, with, with Coach Lee and a couple other guys there, too, that have, that have been with Coach Clawson. But, uh uh, you know, it's and, and Coach and I talked about this on his uh, radio show on Wednesday night. It's a bunch of smart guys out there trying to trying to figure the other out. I mean, all these guys uh, are are really good football coaches. You know, they wouldn't be at Vanderbilt, they wouldn't be at Wake Forest if they weren't. And so to watch them kind of have their chess match uh, on Saturday will will be a lot of fun. The fact that they know one another, they understand one's tendencies, all those types of things how they coach, how they motivate players. And so how, how do they figure out how to get around that? Uh, will that be something we can actually uh, see on the field? I, probably not, but, but you know, just the maneuvering, the X's and O's and all those things, it'll be fun to see how this, this game shakes out. Uh, that'll certainly be part of the fabric of the tale we tell uh, come Saturday. Well, last week uh, it was VMI, a big win over VMI. Uh, what, what did you learn about this Wake Forest team and kind of some of the differences with this year's team and this year's roster, as opposed to last season with guys coming in, guys coming out, of course, with the transfer portal being very active. But after last week's win over VMI, uh, what were some of the things you learned early on uh, about this Wake team? Well, number one, I think we found out Wake has a really good backup quarterback, Mitch Griffiths. He was terrific in his first start, uh, did everything uh, that you could possibly expect from a young man making his first start in, in a college game. One thing, too, that, that Coach Clawson has talked an awful lot about um, is the fact that he was able to play 50 players, 10 or more plays. That, that I think, you know, we, we, we have been thinking that these last three, four years that the depth at Wake Forest has really begun to take root uh, at a lot of different positions. Uh, and, and I think that played out in, in the VMI game, you know, playing so many players. Um, and it was about, you know, roughly split between offense and defense. And so what we kind of thought actually actually bore out with the fact that, you know, Wake's got a, you know, pretty widespread depth among the players. And uh, that that usually, you know, means success. And, you know, Coach Clawson has has built that depth over time. And, uh, you know, he's he's been very public uh, in his take about Wake football in that it's kind of a developmental program. They've got it. They're not going to get five-star athletes typically at Wake Forest. So you're going to get those who maybe aren't as highly recruited 
uh, as other schools get, but Wake's going to coach them up and, and they're going to hopefully keep them for four years, five years, heck with all the COVID and stuff, six and seven, uh, you know, not just at Wake, that that's happened at other places too. So, um, but uh, they've developed uh, enough depth here to not make Wake Forest have such an up and down uh, football trajectory. You know, over the years, that's kind of the way it's been. But under Dave Clawson, I think you could certainly make the argument that, that the Deacons have been trending upward for years now. They've played in six consecutive bowls, which they have never done before. Hopefully they'll play in a seventh after this regular season. So, uh, again, looking back to your question, uh, Billy, looking at that, that first game, really kind of felt good about the depth that Wake Forest had, and certainly uh, at quarterback. Stan, this uh, slow mesh offense is so interesting to watch. And, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator, of course, big part of it, Ruggiero and, and what he's been able to do, but also Dave Clawson. What, can, what is Vanderbilt going to see Saturday? What, what are they going to see from that offense? And, and you know, I, I feel like people get lost in the fact that, yes, they run this slow mesh, but they also do other things. So, so what, uh, what, what can we expect to see from this Wake Forest offense, especially with Sam Hartman back? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think pretty much anything. You know, Wake, uh, Bandy's defense had better be ready for the ball to be thrown around a lot. You know, Wake does put it in the air. But at the same time, they feel very comfortable running the ball. And, and what Wake Forest does, and it, it's no secret, uh, they make a lot of their snaps or a lot of their decisions, pardon me, after the snap of the football. Uh, so that falls on the shoulder of the quarterback. And that slow mesh that you talked about, and it is very slow, and it's really difficult to call on the radio because, you know, it's not like other places typically where, you know, pretty quickly, you know, if it's a handoff or a keep or whatever, it, it takes a while uh, sometimes. And they, you know, Sam, you'll watch him ride the, the ball on the hip of the running back, count one, count two. It takes a long time. And, and he's just as likely to, to, to pull out of that and keep it or pull out of that and throw the ball, not just to the flat, but downfield as he is anything else. And so, I, I think defensively, you, you you have to know that going in, and certainly Coach Lee will have them coached up, and they'll be looking for that. But it you know it takes a lot of patience to defend this this Wake offense, and it's you know play after play after play, and quarter after quarter, and and, and maybe mentally that wears on you over the course of a you know three three and a half hour uh, football game. But uh, you know Wake's used to scoring a lot of points; they averaged right over. 41 last year, I, you know, where Wake is going to try to be more consistent this year is on the defensive side of the ball. They got a new defensive coordinator in Brad Lambert, who was with Jim Grove back in the uh, 06 ACC title year when Wake Forest went to the Orange Bowl. Brad since left, uh, started the program at Charlotte, has been back to Marshall where he was years and years ago. He's also been at Purdue as a coordinator, but he's back now uh, at Wake Forest. He kind of like Coach Clawson understands a lot about, you know, what does it take to be successful at a place like Wake Forest, at a place like Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, where academics are so much a part uh, of the recipe of these student athletes? So, uh, again, I think that, uh, you know, Wake had a pretty good showing defensively against VMI, but uh, Vanderbilt's no VMI. This is an offense that's going to give Wake some problems. And, and uh, you know, they got a great dual threat quarterback. Everybody knows that now. And uh, so Wake will, without question, have his uh, hands full. We'll get to Vanderbilt and kind of some of the challenges they pose for Wake Forest here in a second. But I, I want to ask you one more thing about the Wake Forest offense. Uh, obviously, Sam Hartman is a weapon for them, running the football, throwing the football. Who are the other guys outside of Hartman that Vanderbilt has to keep an eye on if they want to stay in this game? 
Well, Wake's got uh, a pretty good running back room. They'll they'll use two, three backs uh, in the game on Saturday, and, and Wake's really loaded uh, at receiver. A.T. Perry's a first-team All-ACC guy from a year ago. Donovan Green is a one of the highest-recruited uh, athletes that Wake's ever signed under Dave Clawson. He missed last year. He's another wide-out, big, tall kid, a really good uh, athlete. Taylor Morin's a slot receiver. Keyshawn Williams, another slot receiver uh, that Wake Forest considers both of those guys pretty much starters. Uh, Blake Whitehart, Dave Clawson has talked about him at tight end, maybe being the best overall tight end he's, he's ever had at Wake Forest. And the Deacons have had some good ones uh, in Dave Clawson's nine years. So there are plenty of guys for Sam Hartman to throw to. Uh, plenty of guys to hand off to. So I think, again, that just goes back to some of the depth we were talking about earlier. Wake Forest has a lot of players it feels good about that that Dave Clawson uh, is fine with being in the game, uh, whether or not he starts. So, um, you know, just a, a lot of weapons and uh, you're liable to see all of them. I think uh, I think Mitch Griffiths last week against VMI threw the ball to 11 different people. Uh, and I think my tally's right, at least four running backs carried the ball, if not maybe five, but for certainly four. Uh, that's a lot of people touching the ball. That's 11, not counting the quarterback. And uh, that, that's, a, that's a lot to keep track of. Stan, I know uh, you don't have to watch as much film as Coach Clawson probably does each week, but I, I know you know you watch, been, been studying up on Vanderbilt. Uh, as you look at this Vanderbilt team, offensively, defensively, of course, led by Coach Lee, a guy that is familiar with Wake Forest, what type of challenges do they pose to Wake Forest, especially with Wake Forest coming on the road and, and playing at their stadium? Well, the big one's got to be Mike Wright. I think the quarterback, I mean, he is – and the the thing about him that you don't see every week is the, the, the great speed that he has at quarterback. You know, he's a guy that can run away from you. Uh, uh, and, and coaches talked an all coach Clawson's talked an awful lot this week uh, about his speed the fact that you know he, he he's a track guy a sprinter uh, in, in the past and and so that you know that just adds to your headache I think as, as a defensive coordinator and uh, I know that coach Lambert the defensive coordinator for wake and other defensive coaches have spent an awful lot of time uh, you know trying to figure out how to how to you know keep him bottled up and not let him get to the outside and run past him and and then you know he's a capable thrower certainly of the ball too I mean anybody that's um, uh, connected to six touchdowns in a game like he was last week is a guy that you've you, you've got to spend an awful lot of, of time on and and you know there's some of the kids on the defensive side of the ball that that Wake Forest really really likes recruited uh, trying to get him to come to Winston Salem and. Uh, so they're very respectful of that side of the ball as well. So I, you know, this is, uh, you know, a Vanderbilt team that Wake Forest looks at being very improved over a year ago. Um, I mean, you just, it's a hard trip to go to Hawaii, uh, and play the rainbows there and do what Vanderbilt did. Not many teams have been able to do that over the years and came back and, and got a good win over Elon as well. So, you know, Vanderbilt has done what it's needed to do in two games. Wake's only been tested once. You know, Dick's going to try to cut down on their penalties from a week ago. And that 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 was one of the 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 big areas of the game against VMI that Coach Clawson was not very happy with. And uh, you know, penalties are are not a staple of his uh, team. They they don't commit very many errors like that. And so uh, I think he was happy that that game was on a Thursday night and had a 
couple extra days to, to work on that, make sure that uh, the Deacons are much more disciplined uh, with regard to penalties come Saturday. Stan, we like to talk about X factors a lot of times, uh, previewing games, especially on this podcast. So this guy's an X factor, or this player um, is an X factor for the team or for the game. If you had an X factor uh, for, for this game, who would that be? Or, you know, this has to happen, um, you know, for Wake Forest to win this game or, or, or even on the Vanderbilt side that, that you think could swing the game in either direction? That's a, that's a good question and, and a hard one to, to answer. I, you know, I think for Wake, we've talked an awful lot about Sam Hartman uh, being back. But, but again, Mitch Griffiths was so good uh, last week. I'm going to maybe throw out Ryan Smenda, who's another captain who wasn't able to play for Wake Forest last week. Uh, he was uh, called for targeting in the Gator Bowl a year ago. And without going into too many crazy details, the, the, the scenario that kept him not only out of one half last week, but the whole game was, was kind of crazy. One that Coach Clawson's been very public about disagreeing with. Um, this is a guy that couldn't even be on Wake's sidelines last week. He had to, to watch from, from somewhere else. But, you know, he's kind of the quarterback of the defense, really. Uh, just a very popular player. Another one like uh, Sam Hartman, really great in the Wake locker room. And so he is a good football player, number one. Uh, but he is going to be just uh, so anxious to get on the field. Uh, he'll, he'll have to work on kind of keeping, you know, himself kind of reined in so he uh, keeps his composure uh, on the field and, and doesn't lose uh, sight of where he is. But, but he's been around for a while. He'll, he'll be able to do that. Um, I'm really teasing. But uh, for Wake Forest to have him back uh, on top of Sam Hartman, I think that could really be an X factor with regard to Wake. Can't wait. Can't wait to watch this. Real quick here, Stan, uh, how, how have you uh, – what do you expect to see from this Wake Forest crowd, this contention? Of course, they haven't been to Nashville since 2013. A lot of momentum, a lot of, a lot of hype with this game and this program with what they were able to do last year. Do you see, uh, do you see a decent contention of uh, Demon Deacon fans making the trip to Nashville? I hope so. And, and, you know, Wake's a school probably a lot like Vanderbilt that has a lot of people spread out over the country. I know that there are a lot of Wake Forest grads uh, that live in the state of Tennessee, certainly in the Nashville area. I hope the weather, uh, we've heard the weather forecast uh, isn't too good. And so hopefully the, the rain will hold off and, and both Wake and Vandy fans can enjoy the game. I know it's an early, early start, which should be good. I mean, you know, go, go in there and get it done and, and everybody has the rest of the day and evening to, to enjoy. But, uh, you know, Wake's been a, a program that has traveled a whole lot better uh, over the last several seasons. Wake's bowl games have been very well attended by uh, Wake alums and fans uh, throughout the country. So, you know, who knows? Uh, Nashville's a great place to visit. And if you're going to travel anywhere this year, if you're a Wake fan, this might be the game to do it and enjoy uh, the Music City and, and all that has to offer, plus a, a pretty good game between uh, an ACC team and an SEC team. So I, I hope to see a lot of uh, Wake Forest fans. There'll be a lot of black and gold. I know that. I was just going to say a lot of black and gold in that stadium on Saturday. Got an 11 a.m. kickoff on the SEC Network. Stan, bring your coffee to the booth with the early kickoff. Thanks for taking the time and uh, enjoy the broadcast on Saturday. You bet, Billy. Thank you very much.